Hey guys, welcome to the program. This is a series I'm doing called Jovan Unplugged. Years and years ago, I think it was probably back in maybe 2001, that the bio channel came and did a biography about me and my history and television, internet and stuff. And here we are in 2024, and some of that stuff still talked about to this day. What I'm doing is I'm doing a retrospective. I'm going back in history and sharing with you some of the great, incredible, grand adventures that I've been on in my life. We're going to pick up in this part just about uh, 19... 91, about 1992, we're going to pick up. And I want to take you through uh, roughly 1998. That's six years in my life. And we're going to call this the second Dallas era. A lot of my work has been focused on my home state of Texas. Not that I was born in Texas, but ever since I was a small child, I was brought to Texas from Carmel, California. It had been with my father. My father was a military and civil service person. And uh, I had a tremendous amount of family in Texas. And so I spent my childhood and a portion of my teen years in the state of Texas. Now, of course, my uh, particular professional career began very early in my life. Because back when I was 15, I had had a bit part in a movie. And that kind of always affected me as I was fascinated with movies and production and marketing and everything else that will go with it. And so we're going to pick up on this love-hate relationship that I had had with the Dallas-Fort Worth marketplace. Now, you see, I grew up in San Antonio, Texas is where I grew up. But when my professional career took off, it took me to Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, which at the time was the fourth largest Metroplex in the United States. And there I could really practice my skills in marketing, etc., because that was kind of my forte. And so what had happened in my life as I was before that, and this is a separate story I'll tell you about. I'll tell you about uh, in more detail uh, on a more flushed out story, my success with helping getting a company public. It was kind of my first run at getting a company public, but I'll tell that in a different story. That's the story of Lifetime Automotive Products or Triple Edge, where I had cut my teeth and broke all marketing records across the United States. In fact, many of those records stand today, and I was just barely into my 20s. So we're going to pick up at my life where I have uh, got a phone call one day and got recruited to come to Washington, D.C. and apply my services. And so we're going to pick up about that time because I spent many years in Washington, D.C. And what I was bringing with me was not only my skills at understanding how American consumers think, but also my ability to understand how do people make decisions, how do people move, how do you use data, how do you use information. I had just come off 
in those early years where either fortunately or unfortunately I had busted up an embezzlement ring. And it was millions and millions and millions of dollars that was being embezzled from this very large corporation. And so I got placed into a situation in a very small town in Texas where because of my ability to remember numbers and things and sequences and stuff, very in short order, I could begin to see, wait a minute, something was wrong in these numbers. And I could, through that data, see the trends of what was going. And that ultimately led up to how was the company losing millions and millions of dollars uh, and then busting up that professional uh, theft ring, theft and embezzlement, because it included inside employees. And then I knew, okay, I, I could really apply my marketing skills in a very, very unique way. And so as I get to Dallas-Fort Worth, I had started my career, and, and the local papers in Dallas had already started writing about me, mainly because my first name, which then was my middle name, my first name is very easy to remember, Jovan. And in the marketplace, I was really kind of known as only that one name, Jovan. And because of the incredible rise of Lifetime Automotive Products, you could see it everywhere. It brought a lot of attention on the national scale to the DFW marketplace that where we, you know, launched this incredible company. And so while I'm kind of in between uh, projects and stuff, I uh, get a phone call asking me to consider taking uh, a very unique position that would take me to Washington, D.C. And I love my country. And if I can apply my skills the proper way, then I'm going to do it. And so being in D.C. for three years, and it took me all around the world, I was able to hone my craft of understanding data, what made people move, how to see in between the lines, etc. Because data and understanding, you know, from a future tense, how do you uh, make something happen is extremely important. By the way, this will be a good time to let you know this program today is being brought to you by setmefreeplease.com. Setmefreeplease.com. You should check out the website. If you're worried about what's going on in our government today, because you know our government really doesn't care about us, and you know it looks like everything's going to hell in a handbasket and costs are going through the roof, you're probably thinking, how do I help my family survive? How can I make ends meet? Now everything's costing me almost 20% more, and I have no faith in my government. Well, we've set up setmefreeplease.com. Going to setmefreeplease.com is where you can be walked through a process that will help you reach those goals, take care of your family, and get you as quickly as possible off the corralled slave system that we have in our retail marketplace. You'll be fully supported. We've got over 2.2 million members. We've got 4,500 staffers that work to do nothing but support you and to make this possible. So maybe you're thinking about, oh my God, how do I keep on paying this inflated electric bill? Or maybe you're retired and you're thinking, you know, this 1900 bucks a month, all the way down to some of you are barely getting 
$1,100 a month. In fact, the average is only about $1,200. And you think, how do I survive on this in my retirement? Or maybe you're a mom and you're, well, kind of freaking out as you should be of what's being taught in schools and you want to homeschool, but you have no idea how you're going to do it and pay your bills because it takes both of you working. Well, that's why we bring to you setmefreeplease.com. Setmefreeplease.com. Fill out the form. And what we're going to do is we're going to reach out to you. And we're going to help you understand our plan of how you can wean yourself off and out of the system where you can support your family Make sure your purchases only benefit our great republic and you can start pursuing your dreams, whether that dream is just to maybe buy another gun or more ammo, or maybe that dream is to put back a year's worth food supply, or maybe that dream is to quit your job and relying on the system and be totally independent with additional financial revenues. So make sure you go visit setmefreeplease.com. I'll detail my work in Washington, D.C. at another time, but I'm going to get you to the love-hate relationship with the Dallas marketplace. And of course, I've told you this is the second era in the Dallas marketplace. And so I had come back from Washington, D.C., come back to my home state of Texas and to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Interesting things were going on at that time. It was the early 90s. And in the early 90s, in the marketing and communications world, one of the things that worked the best for promoting anything were infomercials. You remember infomercials, right? Where you would sit on late night TV, that was the best way to communicate with millions of Americans in late night TV. And I had just at that time developed a personality, you may know her as Susan Powder, and you probably saw the infomercial called Stop the Insanity. Now, I've already done a program on that before, so I'm not going to talk a lot about it because I'm using this to help you understand the second era in the Dallas-Fort Worth marketplace. But if you go to my Rumble, I have put up for you that 1992 and 93 infomercial called Stop the Insanity that we filled, filmed at the Plaza of America in Dallas, Texas. And of course, that project went incredibly well. Several hundred million dollars in just a few months. A national bestseller flipped Susan into a television show and became a household name. So, of course, in Dallas, Texas, where they had already written about me quite a bit because of Triple Edge, are now writing about Susan Powder. And if you remember Susan Powder, well, she kind of didn't look the part of a Dallas, Texas housewife. Short, spiky, bleach blonde, platinum hair. And, of course, it became all the rage. Well, I had swore after the Susan Powder project that I was not going to work with um, personalities anymore. You know, it's hard when you take somebody who has talent and you turn them in by working your skills into a household name. When all of a sudden they believe they are an incredible movie star and household name and they begin to act that part, should we say getting arrogant? Well, I decided I'm just not going to work any longer uh, with talent. So I had been spending 
a lot of my time uh, at my family ranch, right? At my family ranch. And while being at my family ranch, I started to investigate things regarding this new thing that was coming about called the information superhighway. Now, back then, we thought that it was actually going to be our cable boxes or our cable channels. Remember, cable was really the thing back then. We hadn't really known of or understood how we could understand the impact of this thing that was coming called the Internet. So in the uh, internet, I started researching, hey, what's really coming and what is going to happen with this information superhighway. So I became very, very in tuned with what we would eventually know as the internet. And as I'm researching, I got a call from a very wealthy Texas family. You may have heard of them before, the Hunt family. And they said, hey, look, we're um, doing a funding. And we're going to fund a small company. And they're getting into this business, which is called dial-up. Now, you may have heard that term before, but you probably remember it more from the little squeaky tone, right? The little squeaky tone on your phone when you were trying to dial into, say, your America Online or your Comcast or something like that. And so what had happened to me is I came in and was looking at what they had just funded. And I had to get my head around, okay, you can use this thing connected to a computer. Computers were just really becoming a thing then. You get to connect to this thing called the internet. And my job was to figure out, okay, how can this make people's lives better? How can people use this to learn something or to learn things they couldn't learn in normal everyday life. Because remember, everything was kind of manual or analog at that time, right? Maybe you would go and uh, go to a library or you would read books or whatever the case may be. And so I started studying this and I looked at, okay, hey, I think I, think I can do this. I think I could probably take this concept and I think I could sell the word. I could sell the concept, I could sell the understanding of what is the internet. And that's what began with the company called back then. The company was called Internet America. We were known because we used a very catchy but a endearing moniker, which the, was the 800 number. 1-800-BE-A-GEEK. Very easy to remember. If you go back to my time, you would remember uh, before that doing the marketing syndication, media placement, etc. at the national media level for uh, things like you had already learned to remember the number, like Hooked on Phonics, 1-800-ABCDEFG. And so we had a very hook, hook, interesting hook in the phone number, and it was just 1-800-BE-A-GEEK. And during that time, I learned 
very quickly how can you market the internet how can you market the internet to america now as we're in this time of of marketing a couple of things happened for me at the same time number one i was working with abc susquehanna radio and they had come to me and said hey look you're the big marketing guy can you help us get our radio station out of the dump? We're the oldest station in Texas, but we're getting killed in the marketplace. See, at that time, um, some of the radio was changing. In fact, Howard Stern had just come into the marketplace. Now, I knew Howard Stern from Washington, D.C. and New York because I would listen to him in New York, and I'd listen to him when I lived in Washington, D.C., and I used to bebop back and forth to New York. In fact, I would jump from D.C., and the little commuter I took uh, very regularly to New York, uh, my seatmate, who I spent a lot of time talking to, was none other than G. Gordon Liddy. And so that is now coming into the Dallas marketplace. It's catching up. So the whole marketplace is just kind of upset. And so I told Susquehanna Radio, I said, look, we need to use television to sell radio. And they're going, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Why we, that's promoting television. And I said, no, you don't understand. I said, people just don't understand radio and how much radio can change their life. But I said, hey, look, but television's very cheap. And what are you trying to do? You're trying to get more listeners to radio. So why don't we just bring television viewers over to radio. And they said, well, what's your plan? And I said, I kind of want to do a day in the life of the radio station. Basically, if you change your dial, you'll change your life. Now, here's the psychosomatic process that I think you'll like in this. See, radio is measured by arbitrons. It's basically at that time, radio would actually send logbooks to people at home and they would write down what they listened to. And that's how the whole radio market worked. You had to be written down in the Arbitrons. Now, of course, you can't really remind people to write stuff down in the Arbitrons. That's kind of a no-no. So I basically came up with a campaign of, look, we'll show people what goes on during the course of a day in radio. And I will tell them, hey, if you change your dial, you'll change your life. But I could also say, don't forget to write it down. Change your dial, change your life. Now, that was me writing the line of, I'm really reminding people that are watching that are Arbitron ones to go, oh, I remember KLF. So we did this incredible program. I filmed so many incredible celebrities during that time because nobody had actually put cameras inside a radio station. And so little would I know that cameras inside my radio station would actually change the way that the industry would work. So two things were happening at a time. I'm, I'm building this internet company called Internet America and teaching people how to use the internet. I am uh, doing this promotion for a large radio company using TV to get people to tune into radio. So we roll out this thing and boom, it took them from dead last in the marketplace to dead first. And we have a huge hit on our hands. Well, 
I couldn't do my normal deal with a radio station where I get a percent of sales and very large fees because it's just not going to work with ABC radio stations, right? So the deal that I cut with them is say, look, okay, I tell you what, give me two hours on the dial. I'll just do my own radio show. And they said, done. So they were going to give me a weekend radio show of my picking and that would kind of build, build my payment. And if I could build it into something, that's kind of how I really made a profit off the deal because I actually kind of did them a favor. Well, they kept on pushing me to maybe do a program in politics. And I said, look, I don't like politics. I do not care for politics. Politics is not my thing. But I'm also not a sports guy. Yes, I was an athlete. But when I left sports, I said... I don't care about sports anymore. I just don't. And so at this time, I'm going, hmm, okay, let's see. I'm teaching people the internet over here for this company. We're taking off like a rocket. And I have a separate program on Internet America, but we're taking off like a rocket. At the time, America Online was the big juggernaut giant. And then the Dallas-Fort Worth marketplace one of their most largest markets where they did business, they had about 4,000 users. That was a big deal. So here I come in teaching the people the internet, and I'm using television to do it, to show them what they're missing, to show them how that computer can do incredible things. And unlike at that time with America Online or CompuServe, where you paid by the minute, remember that? Yes, you paid by the minute. I said, the way we're going to take over the market is let's just make it $19.95 a month flat. It's a buffet. It's all you can eat. So the comparison was very simple is, hey, why pay America Online or CompuServe, where if you stayed on every day, seven days a week for a month, it cost you $2,000, right? People were seeing these bills and they'd get lost in reading things and they'd get these big bills. Just come over to with us and do dial-up and it's $19.95 a month, flat fee, all you can eat. Well, that was a huge win. It was what shifted the entire marketplace to dial-up away from paying by, right? Away from paying by the minute. And so where America Online or CompuServe were big and America Online had 4,000 people in that marketplace, I was able to put 60,000 people, yes, 60,000 people on that pop, that center in Dallas-Fort Worth marketplace in just a couple of months' time. So this company just explodes and becomes all the talk of the town. Of course, that had me in the papers, etc., etc. Susan Powder had me in the papers, etc., etc. But I am then... Now going, okay, well, what do I really want to do? I've got these two great things running. And so I decided, well, you know what? I'll do a, I'll do a radio program about the internet. And so I went on the radio and I started doing a weekly two-hour radio show that was really nothing more than tech support. I got a couple of tech support guys from Internet America, and then my co-host and I, and we're just taking calls because, see, back then there was so much people were trying to figure out to use computers. It was horrible, and you couldn't get these things configured right, and you couldn't get online, or the modems would bounce you off, and we started doing this radio show. Well, that radio show 
took off. Now, in radio, in the Arbitrons, in the Arbitrons, right, what happened with my little bitty radio show that was just Dallas-Fort Worth, I was doing numbers bigger than Howard Stern or the regular radio stations. I'm on weekends, which is normally throwaway. But I correctly predicted this thing called the internet is going to change all of our lives. And people wanted to listen because they were getting tech support. Everybody's having basically the same problems by just listening to my radio show. And of course, I uh, basically was surrogate tech support. That's the easiest way to say it, right? Surrogate tech support, right? And in that tech support, we created a juggernaut, okay? And all of a sudden, we got a hit. And now this radio show is doing an incredible hit. Now we're beating every sports station, every talk station, and every political talk. And I'm getting, you know, basically what equates to one out of every two homes are listening on radio. And these numbers just kind of came out of nowhere, right? Out of nowhere. People are going, hey, what's this, what's this weekend radio show that at the time I just called Net Talk because we're talking about the net. And so what happened? I'm going to I'm going to jump forward now. We're doing, you know, we're just come off this Susan Powder stuff and Susan Powder became a hit and I'd already had this and I'm in the Dallas Fort Worth marketplace. And so what happened? Me as a marketing guy had all of a sudden impeded in the world impeded in the world of news and broadcasting, and let me tell you, the old school, they were pissed off. I'm telling you, they were pissed off. I wasn't a radio guy. I was technically just a marketing guy, just a numbers and data guy, just a geeky guy. Of course, I knew media, but they wouldn't give me credit for it. So what happened is, all of a sudden, I start doing this radio show about the internet. And by the way, Radio and Records, that's the name of the big magazine. If you were back in that time and uh, you were going to get coverage and you were going to be touted as the top of the top, where you tried to get, where you tried to get was in the industry's newspaper called Radio and Records. Anything that's going on in radio. Anything that's going on in music, who's listening to what, was in that paper called Radio and Records. Now, part of why they didn't like me is because I'm telling these guys, hey, look, the Internet's going to take over. These print publications, like your magazine, Radio and Records, you know, they're going to go away and everything's going to move online. So these guys kind of hated me. But right out of the shoot. I remember coming out in radio records in the radio business. And so it was April 12th, 1996. And a big story had come out about the internet is fast gaining popularity among radio broadcasters. So to tell you how far we had come by that time now in 1996, okay, 
there were 900 radio stations that now had a home page. <laughs> now, you laugh now, thinking about that, now had a home page, right? That was the big thing. You got a web page? Yeah, I got a web page. Now, I had already been tinkering with it because I was the very first person in history to put a web address, a URL, on a television program to see if people watching TV also happened to be people who had computers who would see TV and would they go to a computer because they saw a website address on the TV. So the very, very, very first URL ever in history put on a television program was mine. And I proved out, hey, look, you can use TV to drive to the internet as well. I just proved you could use TV to drive to the radio. So what I got paid is I got this radio thing. And back then, the big news, and I'm going to read it to you from the headlines here in Radio and Records. I've got it in front of me, the old publication. Internet fast gaining popularity among radio broadcasters, right? Cyber pioneers proclaim there's ad gold in those online hills. The article goes on, radio has a new infatuation, the World Wide Web. More than 900 radio stations now boast homepages on the Internet's World Wide Web. And that was the new study that came out. Well, luckily, Radio and Records recognized that I was the guy driving this, and that's why they wrote Cyber Pioneers. I'd already pioneered dial-up, and now I already pioneered, hey, TV can lead to this thing called the internet, and TV can lead to the radio, and hey, we can teach people to use the internet. So I was being recognized as a technology pioneer. Well, that unfortunately pissed off all the uh, old timers. Now, Radio and Records commented, and I'll read it to you. Um, they were they were talking about me also being an on-air talent, right? And they had just mentioned in this article, in order for radio stations' websites to become viable advertising vehicles, stations must devise ways to entice listeners to make regular visits to the site. Now, I want to remind you, back in that time, if you got 100 people, 100 live people to go to a website, that was the bomb. I mean, I'm talking that was a big deal. Well, what I did was I would use radio... And I would get people to go to a website and try to find a token I hid on the page. Yeah, I had a token. And I called them treasure hunts. Go to the site, and if you can find this token, if you're the first one to email in with the specifics of where it is, you win. Of course, that went not through the roof, right? And it all of a sudden became the radio standard industry. Well, you know, when you piss off the old school, it doesn't, <laughs> it really doesn't benefit you, right? And it didn't help that we're already being talked about because Internet America is becoming the Internet juggernaut. AOL, CompuServe, they're all trying to knock us down because remember, they were, remember the differences, they were online companies. And they didn't like that myself or Robert Maynard were basically stealing the online community and say, look, you don't want to be online, which is through somebody else's box. You want to be on the Internet, which means you can get there and you can find everything. 
Now, this was a hard time back in the media wars because the media companies at the time, you got radio and you got television and you got publishing. Publishing was newspapers and magazines. All of this that were cyber pioneers are saying, look, television's going to die. You got to embrace this stuff called the Internet. We're telling the newspaper companies, newspaper companies, it's going to die. You've got to get involved online. That's where it's going to go. They hated us for it. Telling radio stations, you've got to become something else. Because the world is changing. And if you don't upgrade and you don't become something else, you're going to get clobbered. Now, let me tell you about the companies at this time. As I'm doing this, I've done this radio, the radio's a hit. I tell the radio group, look, I'm sitting here doing talk radio, which I love talk radio, but I'm a television guy. And when I, when I mean that, I mean from a production standpoint. I'm a, I'm a television guy. So I want to try an experiment. I want to put cameras inside the radio station. Now, this is 96. I want to put cameras inside the radio station. I want people to be able to watch us on TV while they listen to us on the radio talking about the internet as they follow along on the website. Now, of course, everybody thought, that's just nuts. Wait a minute. You're going to use television. You're going to have people watch you on television. But what you're really doing is a radio show. But while they're sitting there on their television, technically listening to radio, you want them to follow along on your computer. I said, yeah. I'd already kind of tested it out with how could I market the Internet and stuff. I'd already done this. Like I told you, I did for the radio station. I did an infomercial to drive listeners to the radio. And by the way, go to my Rumble. Go to my Rumble. And on one of the, not live shows, but a regular video, I uploaded for you the Susan Powder infomercial. I'll be uploading all these different infomercials I talk about. So what I did to get people to dial up is I did, a, I did an infomercial called The Insiders. I just modeled it off of Friends. I was the lead cast member, and it's just cool people finding cool things on the internet. Of course, that was the juggernaut that broke it open to get people to sign up. Why? Because I know they needed to see how this thing was the internet work and if they could see it and we made it friendly enough it wouldn't be intimidating computers and they wouldn't think about it being a computer they would think about the destinations well i was right so i started my radio program now the radio program started in june of 1995 of course as i told you the radio program program became a hit we, we were dominating the entire talk radio marketplace and in the radio marketplace dallas was the fifth largest broadcast market in the radio marketplace well i knew it needed to be visual so i went to uh the local television networks there and i said look you know my background you know i know people you know i can promote you know i can move millions of people data specialty and 
human behavior and all this stuff is my expertise. You've seen it doing over and over. And here in Dallas, you saw me do Triple Edge and you saw me do, now I'm doing Internet in America and you got Susan Powder and all this other stuff. I said, look, I'm going to take my radio program and I'm going to turn it into a television show. And of course, the television networks were going, wait, wait, wait a minute. Let's see this. You're going you're gonna to take your radio show and you're going to put cameras in the radio show and you think people are going to watch you doing a radio program. And I said, yeah, they're also going to, um, they're also going to follow along on the website. And by the way, I'm going to call this a brand new type of hybrid broadcasting. I'm going to call it a triple cast. They go triple cast. I'm going to call it a triple cast. It's television, radio, and internet. It's a triple cast. So I coined that word. Well, the media companies really didn't believe me. They didn't believe that it could happen, that you can't, you can't do hybrids of these forms. And I said, look, this hybrid is going to become the standard. I'm going to create a brand new standard here, and I'm going to let you peek in the future because I'm going to show you exactly how all of this stuff works together, and it complements each other. Well, ABC, I can, I can remember this. I'll jump you forward. Years later, one of the ABC people that I had this discussion with become a board member on my company. Anyway, ABC says, not interested because, here's their quote, the internet is a fad. <laughs> so what I did is I went over to Fox. And I went over to Fox Television. And I talked to a guy by the name of Buff Parham. Now, Buff Parham is uh, a guy that comes out of the old uh, Mary Tyler Moore show and stuff, and he knew, right? And a few things had happened for me. A fourth leg dropped in, but it was an invisible leg. Now, remember, I'm doing a regular talk radio show. I say I want to make it TV. I say I want you to follow on the website, follow along, but an interesting merge happened. See, at our radio show, at 570 KLF, that was our radio show. A fellow, two fellows walked in. A fellow by the name of Todd Wagner and Mark Cuban. They had just created a company at the time called AudioNet, which you know eventually became Broadcast.com. And they dropped servers in right there to our production closet right outside my production door where all of us host broadcast for them. And they say, we're going to stream a radio station. Now, remember, the big thing was for a radio station to have a website. Now, they were doing something completely different. The radio station will be on the web and people can listen through their computers. So that was kind of a radical idea. So Mark Cuban and Todd Wagner teed it up. Actually, Mark was my first guest on my program. So now we had all this interesting combination that when you watched my program in the Dallas-Fort Worth Marketplace, you could actually start watching on television. But let's say you had to run to the store. When you got in your car, you just turned on the radio and you could listen to me. You wouldn't miss a beat. Now, there weren't any connected devices then. There was nothing mobile then like we have now, right? Or you could be at work and you didn't have a television, right? But you had a computer so you could stream it and Harris and participate the same way. And so we literally, after ABC said it was a fad, we went to Fox. And Fox was having a huge success with their original series at the time, which was in Living Color, right? Jim Carrey, 
Jamie Foxx, all these, the Damon, well, Wyndham Brothers, etc. Huge hit. And so what they did is they gave me two hours on Fox and said, look, we can't touch it, but we know everything you touch can be a mega success and very radical. So what we'll do is we'll give you the television feed, but you got to get us the feed. And so that's how I struck a live two-hour primetime show on Fox. Uh, I'll jump forward. We ended up having over 700 television markets. We blended it in syndication where ABC, CBS, NBC, PBS, Warner Brothers, Fox, UPN. You could watch my show on E-Entertainment Television, the Sci-Fi Network, U.S. Network, Comedy Central, you name it. And uh, we had millions and millions of viewers all over the Middle East. And, and in very interesting, I was the very first broadcast ever allowed in the People's Republic of China. See, at the time, China banned the Internet. They banned the Internet. But it was very hard to start to stop when people were buying computers, Chinese people, and people could put stuff and the government couldn't track it all down. They couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. So they figured they should embrace it and teach people while they too, as the Chinese government, learned the internet. And so what happened is we became the industry's first recognized uh, triplecast, television, radio, internet feed, the first live triplecast. We did the first live in the field doing this. It was, it was all over the place. And we had incredible sponsors like Radio Shack. That's how Radio Shack came into my life. And Microsoft and America Airlines and Internet Explorer and Netscape and just all this other stuff, right? It was a huge run. Now, going at this time, as I'm doing the program on television, I've turned it into my own program. Our company, Internet America, is we're deciding, hey, it's going to go public. And so we did all of our work uh, to register and get the company public. We had huge numbers and we did our S1 and we were able to. Uh, start preparing to go public. Now, at this time, we're at the like the 96 to 98 window uh, in the marketplace. If you were to look at uh, 98, was the most unforgettable year. It was the most incredible year for technology when it came to do public offerings. Let me tell you about the, a few of the companies uh, that were going at that time right, um, that were successful. So as we're getting ready to do our IPO for Internet America, uh, we came out at $14. You had other companies uh, coming out too. Well, that's when DoubleClick went on the NASDAQ. They came out at $29. That was just considered on, time, on online advertising. You had eBay went public, right? Uh, it came out September 4th, 98 at, at $18 a share. Uh, you had all kinds of other companies, 1-800-TRAVEL, 21st Century hold, uh, Holdings. Um, uh, the deal was when you wanted to be in technology, right? And you wanted uh, to get out there. All of that was the year that if you wanted to get public, you needed to do it. So we're doing this through the 95, 96 window, basically. And that's when all of the people kind of really put their fingers in the hopper. Uh, 
AudioNet, like I just talked about, became Broadcast.com. They went public at the same time. They were acquired by uh, Yahoo. You probably remember who uh, uh, Yahoo was. Uh, uh, and they're kind of still uh, around uh, for a day. Uh, Cumulus Media. They had been out there for a long time, but they decided they're going to get into the internet stuff. And so it helped them uh, go public, etc. So that was the thing to really do then. Exodus Communications had uh, gone public. A lot of the top companies that you now deal with that you didn't realize um, that are kind of an everyday thing went active, went public. Infospace, do you remember uh, Infospace and all of those? Of course, us, Internet America, you know, we went uh, public. And so that was the, the year. When you look at those years and time windows, those were when some of the biggest uh, technology advances uh, happened. Now, this was a window where it kind of started what was called the dot-com boom, right? You had GeoCities, went public, etc. IPOs at the time were exceptionally rare. Um, and the foreign markets were getting hammered. In fact, there was an Asian financial crisis at the same time. That's when China as a country says, well, we got to have some of our companies go public. And that's when they spun out China Mobile. Um, Microsoft, they were going through all kinds of crap. The uh, Justice Department in 20 states took Microsoft to court over antitrust issues. This all had to kind of be broken apart because it was right. Microsoft was a juggernaut then. Big mergers were happening at this time. Exxon and Mobile, that's when they became... uh, one company and then they you also had the russian crisis russia went into a financial crisis as well and that's what caused their government to default uh on its debt back then right and so ipo was kind of the the thing you wanted to do now let's look this uniquely uniquely when it comes to the dallas fort worth marketplace because what i'm talking about is the second era of me in dallas I knew potentially that, unbeknownst to me, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm, I'm here to create and do great things. I'm here to innovate. I'm here to forge ahead. My job's to see something different, do it different. That's all I've been doing my whole career. But I didn't realize that the casualties in this upgrading of our world are ruthless, are mean, are angry, and are destructive. And something I never paid attention to, they were extremely liberal. Here's what I mean. Here I am, I come in, and I'm doing this over and over and over and over. All these things I'm touching are becoming huge successes. We got... Internet America Public on December 10th. Everything's popping internet. But what I did is I'm in the middle of traditional media. Now, when I, when I share with the media companies, when I'm walking into ABC or when I'm walking into Fox or I'm walking into these magazines and newspapers, 
I am telling them, guys, the internet, this thing called the internet is going to change everything. And if you don't pay attention, guys, you're going to get left behind. Now, you got to remember at this time, so very few people had emails. All these writers for like the local news, for like Dallas Morning News, all this other stuff, all these people in magazines, they didn't do email. You could, you could find me at this time. It was a very interesting time in history. The, the two top search phrases, right? Google wasn't really around them, but the two top search phrases at this time in the state of Texas, the two most searched for things, right? Was Troy Aikman, the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, because they're having a fantastic run, and myself. I never understood that, why so many people are searching, who's this Jovan? And I can understand why people are searching Troy Aikman, right? These Dallas Cowboys all over. Well, this was the merging when all of this starts storing up. And of course, now I'm on television. And now I'm in radio. And I'm in people's lives every single day. And they're listening to me. And part of the things I talked about openly and candidly is, folks, the internet is going to become how you consume your media. So if you've been on the fence about getting a computer, or you think you can't do a computer because you're not technically adept, you're wrong. Using a computer is easy. Everything's going to become a computer. And I'm telling them, your mobile phone's going to become a computer. You're going to find out you will be unleashed from your desktops and whatever. And you're, the, this thing called the internet's going to be in your pocket. Of course, as I'm pontificating the world to the world, that the internet is what's going to be our lives, change our lives, and change history and media as we know it, well, I'm pissing off the media crowd. And so I knew I was in trouble when the very first day I took my radio show to also become a television show, and I'm only looking for stuff visual to show people, right? There was a website called Punch Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> Punch Rush Limbaugh. Now, what this was is Rush Limbaugh was the juggernaut when it came to two things. He was already on radio, but what actually happened is during this time, from 1992 to 1996, he also hosted a national television show. And it was a major, 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 major juggernaut. So Rush Limbaugh's on TV, right? And at this time, on radio, he was the highest paid radio personality in American radio history. And his earnings from radio in 2018 are about $84.5 million a year. Okay? 
and everything's taken off. And Rush is also talking about this thing called the internet. And what he's doing is he's mixing things together. He's mixing television with radio. Now, he was doing it in two different shows, but he knew if I can work on radio, I can work on TV. I'd already proven that you could put cameras in the radio station. It could be one the same thing previously to him jumping uh, to the television show. And then, of course, you saw a lot of other people follow. Howard Stern followed my lead. Don Imus followed my lead. And so the radio industry and the television industry, who were mortal enemies, mortal enemies, all of a sudden thought their host was out of control, right? All of a sudden go, wait a minute, these hosts can't be more important than we are. But what we're all doing is we're exper experimenting in this uh, new media stuff. So I knew I was in trouble because I thought it was funny that somebody had made a website called Punch Rush Limbaugh. A website. All it was is you go to this website, you wait for the, the picture to load. Remember, this was like half a minute. Remember those days. And somebody posted a, a picture, a standard press picture of Rush Limbaugh. And when you click the button, all it did was load a new picture and play a sound effect. And so in the second picture, you might notice his lip was swollen. And then you click it again, and then you might notice his opposite cheek is red. And then when you click it again, you might notice he has a black eye, right? And you were talking about 30 seconds for the picture to load, but it had sound effects. And people would just go click, 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 click on Rush Limbaugh. And it would progressively just beat the hell out of him, right? I actually thought it was kind of funny because it was getting people to use the internet. And I was explaining to people, look, this is some person, random person out there on the internet. They've done a web page. And you're going to find that people are going to have their own web page and people are going to do stuff. And you're going to find people you don't know are going to end up entertaining you. Right? Well, I asked one of my geeks, one of my tech guys, I said, this is just a picture, right? And they go, yeah, it's just a picture. I go, anybody can put a picture there, can't they? And they go, yeah. I go, boy, I dread the day when somebody takes a picture and puts their ex-wife or something like that there. Very easy comment. The next day, in the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, the big story was Jovan's new television program promotes spousal abuse. And I'm like thinking, what the hell? Are you kidding me? And then I learned a valuable lesson. The valuable lesson I learned was that salacious headlines sell. Now, I had already been featured almost every single time an issue of Dallas Most Loved or Dallas Most Hated, you know, their annual magazines they'd come out with, whether it would be Texas Monthly, which is Texas Most Loved, right, where they rate you up or down or whatever, or D Magazine or whatever. I'm always being rated in the top up. Or sometimes I'd be rated in the top down, right? I, I was just, it drove numbers, right? They have to make up these lists. It drove numbers. But I couldn't believe that I was 
looking at somebody took something so very innocent in a program, so incredibly innocent, as that stupid little way to explain to people, website photos, here's what's going on. And their headline that got people to look at the headline was Jovan News television show promotes spousal abuse. And then I realized, hmm, something's kind of not right here. And I got the dose of negative publicity drives more than positive publicity. And they're not going to write about me who's telling them the internet's going to change your life. Newspapers are going to go away. Magazines are going to go away. And all of this is going to get much, much together. And you're going to see all kinds of new technologies and new people, which, of course, is, you know, has come to full, full tr- uh, fruition today. You know it, even with, would you ever think CNN would, would barely be able to stay survive like it is now? Well, I'm telling people this is what's going to happen. And, of course, after, you know, I had this great public run and we get to this other public run and I head into another one. And I decide I'm going to do my own tech company. I'm working with every newspaper in the country and every magazine paper in the country and television network in the company to tell you, hey, this stuff's going to change. And that's when I created my Scan to Connect and Scan Commerce technology. And I never could have understood the competitive, hateful nature that, you know, as I'm going in, sitting at some of the most important meetings in the world, and you got the chairman of the New York Times and chairman of, of Time Magazine and People Magazine and New Yorker Magazine and The Atlantic and all these big papers and stuff, you know, Scripps Howard and what. And I'm sitting there saying, here's the future. But only one of them could release it. Yeah, you can have one release it, but then the other nine in the room that didn't get it, they're never going to write greatness about you what are they going to say jovan was right we screwed up and we didn't get it hell no they're going to bash you and that's when i really got a very sobering lesson and media is not your friend media is not gonna very rarely tout you as a hero as a pioneer or whatever that comes later in life when you look backwards But if they're not in on it, or they made the wrong choice and they just didn't participate, right? If they made the wrong choice, just like ABC, when I said, look, internet's going to take over all our lives, and the head at ABC says, look, the internet's a fad. It's going to disappear within a year. They're never going to go back and mention all that crap. But what they will do is they will try to eat you alive and destroy your credibility for their ways. And that's the very sobering story of my second era in Dallas, Texas. And here we are, folks. Here we are, what, 25, 6, 7, 8 years later. And to this day in that market, it doesn't matter what I do, whether I'm meeting with President Trump or doing the audit, they're going to write bad they can because it still makes people in Texas and Dallas-Fort Worth Marketplace pay attention. And that's your lesson, folks. Media is not your friend, but I can tell you, I have been blessed with a most amazing and incredible career. Today's program has been brought to you by Set Me Free, Please. I'm telling you the future. Once again, you need to set yourself free.
Go to setmefreeplease.com because these rat bastards are after us and I don't want you to get caught in what's coming. I'm telling you the future. I just hope you take my advice. Thank you for listening today. I love you all. Share this program.